Well, let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to two passages of Scripture, if you would please. Galatians in chapter number 1. Galatians in chapter number 1. And then we'll go to our text in Acts chapter number 9. So Galatians chapter number 1 and Acts chapter number 9. It's also good to have Tim, I didn't catch the last name, but Miss Rhea Hausberg's brother here from Florida. Good to have him visiting here with us as well. And uh, glad to have him in the services this evening. Galatians chapter 1, just a little bit of background for us on <clears throat> for our sermon tonight. And then Acts chapter number 9. So Galatians in chapter number 1 and Acts chapter 9. <clears throat> sure thank God for our pianist, Amen. players that are uh, there. Angie was just uh, reminiscing when we came here about Trevor and Jonathan, that they were about nine or ten, maybe eleven at most, but this is where they were playing all the time, and, and to see where they are now, so it's a blessing. Amen. It really is a blessing. Okay, Galatians chapter one, if you would. <clears throat> Galatians chapter one, in verse number 15, but when it pleased God, Paul says, Galatians 1:15, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them that were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and, and returned again into Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none save James, this Lord's brother, now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, which, and was unknown by, the face, by face unto the churches of Judea, which are in Christ. But they had heard only that he, watch this verse, that he which persecuted us in times past, now preached the faith which he once destroyed. It's quite a change. And they glorify God in me. Now go back to chapter 9 of Acts, if you would, that kind of, fills in the blanks for us <clears throat> regarding Paul's timeline of events. Acts does not record his time into Arabia, and we don't have a timeline as to how long he was there. But it also tells us that he was in Damascus for three years before going to Jerusalem. And so the last time we were in the book of Acts, we were in chapter 9 and verse 1 through 22. And so now we're going to pick up the reading in verse number 23, given that background in, in Galatians that he spent at least three years, we know, from Galatians there in Damascus. And so then it says in verse 23, chapter 9, And after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the, to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Verse 28, and he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. 
And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians. But they went about to slay him. Seems like everywhere Paul went, he ran into trouble, wasn't it? Verse 30, which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Verse 31, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. I might just point out one reason was because Saul was on the other side now. That's why they had peace and quiet. He wasn't causing them trouble. It says, and they were, what's the next word? Edified. They were built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. The church and Saul experienced spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. I pray this summer is a summer of spiritual growth in your life and in my life and the life of our church. Pray that it's a summer of spiritual growth. I want to preach to you tonight for just a little while. The soil of spiritual growth. The soil of spiritual growth. May God bless the reading of his word. And as you're seated, we'll get into the message tonight. Well, every experienced gardener or farmer knows the secret to a great garden is good Soil, good soil. To have good soil makes all the difference. I just heard of an individual that has some good soil uh, where he lives, and he's actually able to sell that soil to others because it is so rich and can help uh, other people that want to try to get a garden growing or to get some landscaping and such as that. And so the soil, the type of soil, is essential to the growth. Whatever type of growth it is, it, it, it's just the key ingredient. Tonight I want us to see this, that the soil of spiritual growth is adversity. The soil of spiritual growth is adversity. We already have one go- coming forward for the invitation I see. That's wonderful. <laughs> the soil of spiritual growth is adversity. It's adversity. Now, that sounds like a strange statement, perhaps, at first uh, hearing that the soil of spiritual growth is adversity, but I believe that's right. The soil of spiritual growth is adversity. That certainly was true in Saul's life, and it certainly was true in the life of the church. They were edified. They multiplied. I mean, they, we, we've seen that from the beginning of Acts, how that they grew and just in rapid fashion, the, the gospel spread and there were people saved and baptized and added to the church and sent out all over the place. And, and so, uh, but that was all taking place in the soil of adversity, difficult times. Adversity um, would be defined this way, an unfortunate event, an unfortunate event at, at first glance. You would say, boy, this is tough that the gospel has to spread under such persecution and adversity or unfortunate events or circumstances. But we're going to see tonight that that was exactly the soil that the church needed. It was the soil that Saul needed. And I believe tonight that as we face a time of adversity in life and unfortunate events, circumstances that we would not have, that we would not have ordered that we wouldn't have asked for, 
but that these unfortunate events, and not just the events of May the 19th and May the 20th and May the 31st, though that's enough dates for a mix of unfortunate events, right? And difficult situations. And we know that it all is in the hand of God and, and He's still sovereign and He's still good. We know that to be true. And, but it is affecting lives. It's affecting our lives. It's affecting the lives of, of people who live right here in this metro area and surrounding areas. And so it can be a real opportunity for salvation. It can be a real opportunity for spiritual growth in the lives of those who are saved. But there's a big if. There's a key component that, because not always when adversity comes, is there spiritual growth. Because sometimes when people experience adversity or bitter times, instead of becoming better, they become bitter. So we need to see what was it that caused this church then to grow, so that now as you might be in a time of adversity, whether it's related to storms or not, you may be in a storm of another type, a, a relationship storm, or a storm at work, or a storm of health, and, and some just recently have have heard of news in their life that would be that way. And so we all, at some time, it, what was it that, that Job said, that man is, is a, of a few days and full of trouble? And so we're all going to have adversity in our lives, and we don't really like adversity, but we need adversity. We need these hard times. We need these difficult days because it's in the hard times that we grow. If, and I'll give you the if in a little bit, but it's in the hard times that we grow. I'm reminded of the young man who saw the, the butterflies struggling to get out of the cocoon as it was time now to fly. And he, he, was, he just had compassion on that little butterfly. And he wanted to help it out as it was struggling and trying to get free. And so he began to break open that cocoon. And, and he picked up the butterfly and he said, fly, butterfly, fly. But the butterfly fell to the ground. And he picked it up again and he said, fly, butterfly, fly. But it fell to the ground. Little did that little boy understand or realize that that butterfly needed that time of development, struggling, getting out of that cocoon so that it would be developed and strengthened so that it might fly. I'll be honest with you tonight. As I see individuals and Noah families who are in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of adversity, and we might even say it this way in some situations, again there... That, we, that I don't understand that, and, and my compassionate side says, God, please just take them out of that. But God knows what we need, and God knows when we need it. And the Lord who knows our load limit graciously limits our load. Now, we might think he miscalculates sometimes, but he knows what we can handle. And he knows how that this adversity, as we struggle through it, can actually help us to come out on the other side stronger. Let me ask you something tonight. Those of you who lift weights and, and such, obviously I'm, I'm asking you because there's not a lot of experience here. Okay? You don't have to say amen or anything, but I, that's just the truth. But, but does, does a person who's developed, you know, by way of weightlifting, have they developed because they've been lifting that bar several times? Just that empty bar? Now, they might start out that way, but if that's all they're doing, they're not going to see a lot of development. The development comes as you begin to add weight to it. Now, you don't start out with a ton of weight and such, but you begin to add to it. But as, as you do, and, and you're pressing or whatever you're doing or curling and such, see, I know the terminology at least, then you begin to see some development. But it comes through those hard times, not in the easy times. Okay? I can lift a bar. 
But I just looked around here at some who have had some weight training and such, and I, I can't do what they're able to do. Why? Because they've been through a time of adversity that has caused them to develop. I've mentioned to you that I've started running just to try to be in good health. And, and quite honestly, it's just to try to be in, in good health so that I can preach. You're thinking, man, I wish you weren't running because uh, you might get longer winded. Anyways, I'm running just for health, and I really I didn't enjoy it at first. I've got to be quite honest with you. As I tried to run that first that first mile, and I hadn't run in a long time, it was painful. It was difficult. I didn't like it. I wanted to be done at the quarter mile, you know, and just to be finished with it. But but as I just tried to keep after it, and I, I'm nowhere near where many in this room are that are running a half marathon or a marathon. But but as I've run and getting up to just three miles at this point, even though that seemed like it was at the time just insurmountable. But as you just keep doing it, you begin to develop. And then, then you actually begin to look forward to it for some strange reason. And, and your body begins to crave it. And you look forward to running and, and such. But it, but it comes. And I, I've seen or experienced just a measure that there's some development that comes. But it doesn't come when you're just walking. And there's a good thing about walking. I'm not knocking walking. Please walk. That's good. But what I'm saying, it doesn't come in the easy times. But that development comes in the hard times. If that's true physically, then it's also true spiritually. Saul faced some hard times, didn't he? He faced some hard times from some folks who used to be his, his associates or his colleagues or his friends. They didn't like the fact that he had come to Christ. He was one who used to, to persecute those who came to Christ. So now he's turned to Christ. So now they've turned on him and are persecuting him. He has no friends. He has no friends. Among those who used to be his friends. And listen tonight, if you've been saved and you were saved out of maybe during your adult years, I, I would dare say that probably you have some friends who think you're pretty weird right now. They think it weird, weird that you're here on a sunny night in a warm gym that doesn't even have air and it doesn't even have soft seats. They would think that it's weird that you're here. That's okay because this is good for you. It's good for you. And it was good for Saul. And so he had that adversity going on. And, and then he had the adversity even after he came to Jerusalem. I'm just going to fast forward to that. Of course, we know that he, he spent that time alone with the Lord out, out in the, literally with the Lord. I mean, Jesus taught him. How would you like to go to that school? Jesus taught him out in Arabia and one-on-one -on -one discipleship and, and developed him and spent time with him. And, and then he spent time with the disciples back in Damascus. And it got so dangerous there that they had to let him down a wall in a basket. And, and to save his life, they helped him to escape under the cover of darkness. And, and so then when he escaped, he came down to Jerusalem. But listen, when he arrived in Jerusalem, the believers there were afraid of him. You read it, and I saw it as well, that they were afraid of him. I and mean, this, was, this was Saul, the persecutor, the one who was wanting to take their life. And so they did not believe that he was saved. They couldn't believe that he'd become a believer. I mean, it's hard for us to, to think of that, but let's put it in terms maybe that we could recognize. What if it was stated that Osama bin Laden became a believer? Would you believe that? You know, there's been some professional athletes who have professed Christ, and I've had my speculations even just there. And then you have others that have such a notorious reputation, 
such as a Saul, and then it's reported, listen, he's a believer. We have no need to be afraid of him. And so Paul essayed, or he, he uh, determined to go and to, to be with those believers, and yet they rejected him and didn't want anything to do with him. I love these two words. But Barnabas, the son of consolation, the son of comfort, the, the one who really, by taking an interest in Saul... He changed the course, humanly speaking. He changed the course of, of Western civilization and, and Christianity and the movement of the gospel because he took interest in a man named Saul and befriended him and brought him in. And, and then I like what it says about Saul, that he was coming in and going out, coming in and going out. You know, that's what we do week by week, isn't it? We come in, sometimes to new facilities, and we go out. Or we come in to this facility out, come in and come out. Hey, evidently God wants us to do that. That's what the believers did. That was the soil of spiritual growth in his life, being with other believers, being with the Lord, being, listen now, we're getting to the point, being with the Lord, being alone with the Lord, turning to the Lord was a so, the soil of spiritual growth along with that adversity. And then being around other believers, and watch this, other believers reaching out to Saul. So the soil of spiritual growth is adversity if you turn to the Lord and reach out to other believers who are in a time of adversity. The church then experienced, we read it in verse number 31, how that they experienced this edification. They were edified. And it says they multiplied. Why? How was it that they grew at this time of adversity? I'll tell you why. It's because in the midst of their adversity... They turned to the Lord, and they reached out to one another. And when a church turns to the Lord, and the members of that church reach out to one another, that church will grow. That's how that church grew then, and I believe tonight that's how Southwest Baptist Church in this time of adversity will grow, is if we keep turning to the Lord and then reach out to one another. How, how about we say it this way? How about in this time of adversity that we seek to do this? It might sound somewhat familiar. That we seek to do this. We seek to honor God and seek to try to be a help to people. Yep. That's how a church grows. I believe we, want, we ought to desire to grow in this time of adversity. What are we going to want to do? Not grow? That's not a good option. We didn't choose this set of circumstances. But since we're here, and since you're here, and since your circumstances, circumstances are as they are, then take the opportunity to turn to the Lord and reach out for help like Saul was doing. Or if you're on the other side of that, reach out to somebody in help to help them grow in this spiritual time. And, they, and this church, just like that church, can experience some spiritual growth. And if you in your life in this time of adversity will turn to the Lord and reach out to other believers in the midst of your adversity, you'll grow spiritually. The soil of spiritual growth is adversity if we'll turn to the Lord and reach out to one another in care and concern. Honoring God and helping people. Amen. Amen. I'm losing track of time, but it was last, last 
the previous week after May the 20th tornado that um, it was very difficult to get into some of the areas there around where the Knights live and they had a difficult time and others did. And But we got in early. For the Rick Williams, it was, it had an idea, let's take a church bus just because it's big. <laughs> Thinking maybe we could get in and begin to shuttle people back and forth. And that's that's really what began to happen. But but then also it just kind of developed this way that all the individuals who went out to work in that site began to wear those uh, Southwest Baptist Church shirts that say Southwest Baptist Church honoring God, helping people. So at some of the cross points uh, or check stations, as the uh, police officers, as I understand their test, as I understand the testimony of the men who are working those particular days, one of them looked at the shirt and said, "Oh, you're from the church that's trying to help people," because it said honoring God and helping people. Come on in. It happened several times. Just wearing that shirt, honoring God, helping people. Oh, you're the church that's trying to help people. Not trying to get a name for yourself. That's not why we were doing it. But just out of genuine concern, just trying to help people. That gave us an inroad to get into some areas that were devastated. Hey, listen, can I, can I say something to you here tonight as a church family and as we think about those that are outside these walls who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, right now, maybe more than ever in their life, at least on those days when their lives were in danger, I'm telling you, I believe they began to think about spiritual things. I believe they might have even prayed, even if they hadn't. I heard some testimonies this way. They began to pray even though they hadn't prayed in years. I'm telling you right now is an opportunity, a window for us to go to them and try to get an inroad. And if, if we would be the church that's here genuinely trying to honor God and genuinely not trying to get a name for ourselves, but genuinely trying to be a help to people, God might say, and others might say, come on in, we really need some help. Are you with me here? It might give us some inroads into people's lives. And as we open up the doors and we had the, I don't know, 600 to 10,000 people who came down. <laughs> Brother Sam said we could count however we wanted to tonight. So <laughs> as we had that number of people that were here, I'm telling you, I believe it gave us some inroads. We met some of our neighbors that were here in this, in this neighborhood. And, and we were able to love them and care about them and and, and, to sh- and to share, really to share Christ with them in many occasions. And, and I was thinking about, we need to pass out those tracks that say, are you 100% for sure that if you die today, you'd go to heaven? We need to pass out those tracks, but I wasn't sure if that would be just the appropriate occasion. But maybe it actually was. But nonetheless, as we prayed with them and we tried just to be a, a church that's open to them, I'm praying that some of them would come to Christ. Yeah. This adversity could bring somebody to Christ. I got to thinking about that Philippian jailer and, and how that he was in a, a time of adversity in his life and, and was suicidal. Was Remember that in Acts chapter 16? He thought to take his own life. The earthquake had taken place. The, the uh, prisoners were gone and, and he thought that there was no reason for living. I'm telling you, he was in a time of adversity. But thank God there was a man there named Paul. We read about him. We read about him and he was there and he said, listen, do thyself no harm. Believe Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And that man believed and his whole household was saved. 
that time of adversity brought him to Christ. Some of you have come to Christ because of maybe some ad- adverse time in your life. And so let's, let's be ready, church. Let's, let's just keep honoring God and just continue trying to help people and let God bring people this way that we might lead to Christ. But then let's also take this opportunity to grow spiritually in our own lives. There must be something that God's wanting to teach us. There must be something that God is, the ways that He's using this to, to try us. Are you really following me? Are you really listening to me? Are you really doing what I want you to do? Listen, this would be a good time for all of us, wouldn't it? To take it just a self-evaluation. Am I really listening to God? Am I, am I really doing what God wants me to do? And, and listen, I believe tonight, church, that the Lord is with us. I truly believe that. That the Lord is, no doubt about it, He is with us. Just last night as my computer came on, my Bible program, it it always throws uh, some verses of Scripture there on a little window that comes up before you get into the program. And and that particular evening, last night, was was verses like this, Brother Yeager, Emmanuel, God is with us. And how that Jesus showed up in John chapter 20 in the midst of them. It's like God was saying, I'm with you. I've saved you for a reason. Do you realize tonight that all of us could have lost our lives? Do you realize tonight that all of us could be on our way to hell? God has saved you. God has saved me. God has saved the individuals of our church for a reason. He's with us. He's saved us. He can help us. We're doing the right thing. I'm telling you, this is a prime opportunity for spiritual growth. If we'll turn to the Lord and reach out. To one another. Reach out to one another. And there's been a lot of that. From lemonade stands to carrying totes and doing whatever else could help. Reaching out to one another. In um, the what's called the Mirror Woods, just a little bit north of San Francisco, the giant redwood trees stand. The tallest one that they have measured is 376 feet tall, if I'm not mistaken. That's one big tree, my friend. Evidently, no tornadoes have gone through there. But, as we know, California is also known for wildfires. And so I I took a picture of a sign in this mirror uh, woods... National Park. I I just took a picture of of a couple paragraphs, and it was entitled this, Family Circles. Family Circles. And it had a picture of actually what you were looking at just about 20 feet from you. And you could see, I mean, these are rather large. They're not as, as large in diameter as the sequoias, but they're rather large, 14, 15 feet in diameter, somewhere right in there. Okay, you with me? But in, in the midst of one of them, it told the story of this particular tree. And, and the tree was no longer standing as it once did. In fact, evidently, wildfires came in, and the wildfires either repeatedly, I mean, they can take quite a bit, but it, but it destroyed the trunk 
of that giant redwood tree. And there you saw just the rather large stump, but charred with the black. But all around it, in a circle, were other huge, mighty redwood trees that were all about it. And the rest of the story said this, it did devastation to the trunk, but the actual redwood tree did not die. The roots were still very much alive. And the roots began to produce, as those trees do, other little spurts, shoots, something else that's scientific. <laughs> totally a blank right now. But little treelings? Yes. Coming up all around it. And they began to grow and to grow. And so now we were standing there looking up at these huge, massive trees that came out of a time of adversity. Our faith, our faith in Christ is in one who was acquainted with grief and suffering and died on the cross, but he wasn't he was dead, but he didn't remain dead. And on that third day, he came forth. But he taught you, and he taught me, and he taught his church what it was to suffer. And out of his time of adversity, other little Christ-like people have begun to come up. And churches of Christ-like people have, become, have begun to grow up. And thus there's a family circle right here at Southwest Baptist Church of individuals who themselves have been through times of adversity. But there's some little four and five year olds and some grade school students and some high school students that are watching how you and I respond to adversity right now so that they might learn what it is to grow and to stand. And this time of adversity can be a great time. I said a great time of spiritual growth in your life and the lives of those about you if we will turn to God and we'll reach out to one another. Amen. There's some folks in here tonight that have been through a time of adversity. And then there's some folks around them whose lives have been touched because this individual, though they went through a hard time, they handled it right by turning to God and receiving the help they needed at the time and God's grace and from others and extending that help to others. We have this moment, church, to honor God and help people. In the process, we grow spiritually, and so do others have the opportunity to be saved and then to grow. May God help us. Let's stand together tonight as we prepare for a time of invitation. The soil of spiritual growth is adversity. Unfortunate, difficult circumstances. The soil of spiritual growth is adversity if you'll turn to God and if we'll extend ourselves to each other. Now, Father, we come to you and I pray.
that you'd help us, dear Lord. Some maybe need to have some time alone with you. Some, dear God, need to pray as a family or to kneel as a husband and a wife. There are widows and widowers here tonight who have been through a time of adversity. There are parents. There are individuals with health concerns. And God, while we don't like those visits to the doctor's office or to be in the waiting rooms of life, those can be key times of spiritual growth. They're also dangerous times where our hearts could grow hard against you and your ways. Oh God, would you please keep us tender and would you teach us, oh God, to trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.